Welcome to the Huffing Spirit Podcast, where we take you from the sacred to the profane, from the serious to the silly, from the outer to the inner, and from the guru back to you. Join your playful podcast guides, Alex Hindley and Natalie Dick, as they bring you back to a grounded and more authentic approach to spirituality. Welcome to Huffing Spirit. We're your partners in practice and play in the beautiful and weird world of spirituality. Welcome to the motherfucking cosmic tree fort. There we go. I'm so excited, Alex. Today we're diving into a very important topic. We're going to try to keep it light and fun, but I feel like this is a topic that kind of needs to be teased out because there is a lot of mishmash in the healing world that today we're going to kind of iron out what is a good teacher, a guide, a healer, a therapist. I mean, there's so many different practitioner. There's so many people out there helping, right? And a lot how, might, of how might you find a teacher, what to look for? Yeah, it can be a very daunting task to find a good practitioner. And I've experienced this myself where I've been fortunate enough to stumble upon some of the greatest healers out there and practitioners who are full of integrity. But I've also come across some pretty shitty ones that are just out of alignment, not grounded, and completely out of integrity. So we're going to unpack that today. Yeah, that's where we're going. Okay. So why is this an important topic? Well, I think that, you know, as we delve into spirituality or healing in general, whether it's, you know, very traditional forms of healing, whether you're going to a therapist or, you know, a Reiki guide or whatever, not everybody is working in integrity. And that is, very apparent in both models, right? Even in traditional forms of healing, I've been to really phenomenal therapists who are traditional and cognitive talk therapy, but I've also been to horrible therapists who, you know, should quote unquote be in integrity and they're not. And I've been to some really like out there woo-woo healers that are just kind of floating around in different dimensions, just channeling information from wherever. And it's dangerous. But I've also been to some really woo-woo healers that are beautiful and grounded and have so much, build so much power in their abilities. So I think it's really good to kind of break down a good guide for people. Like, have you ever had any experiences like good, bad, ugly? I've had way more good than I've had bad. I know. Same with me. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And like, it's hard too because, you know, I'm trying to meet people where they are and understand that like. There are some bad people, but like I would say overall, more people are trying to go and err on the side of like helping and healing. But my why with this episode of why it's important is that like, arguably, I think people need more help than ever before today. Okay. Like, yes. So, you know, people need to be able to know how to find a good guide and someone who knows how to who is doing the work to mitigate their own projections as well as like transference, whether you're talking a psychodynamic level or you're talking an energetic practitioner level, energy is dynamic. 
right? And one does influence the other. And the person has to be aware that as you're having all your shit come up for them, that it's not triggering, or it may be triggering something for them, but like they're able to hold space for you in that and not say like something out of a spot that is coming from like a mommy or a daddy issue on their own side and not doing shit. So as we're walking this path, you know, and we're trying to bring people to themselves, there are some people who aren't aware of the ego game that they're playing, even if it's a spiritual ego. People should be coming out more healed than broken more times than not. You know, sometimes you need to break a little bit, but. And I feel like there's, you know, we're going to kind of go over some red flags. Like when you're meeting a practitioner, what are some red flags to look for? Some green flags, but really just go into some really good topics. I mean, I've got lots written down here that, are really important when you're trying to find a practitioner. And because, like you said, energy is dynamic, it's really about finding a practitioner, somebody who can hold that space from neutrality. Neutrality, 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 right? Like if they're bringing, if they don't have the awareness of what's going on within themselves, if they're not doing the inner work, if they're not, you know, evolving and upgrading and continually you know, acknowledging their own shadow, guess where that's going to end up? Boom, in your session. And that's not advantageous to you. That's only going to weaken that relationship, but also confuse the shit out of the client, like completely. So it's really important to yeah, navigate this with just awareness of some basic principles and understanding like, okay, when I'm looking for somebody, what am I looking so okay so that's a good transition then yeah let's get into the what the what is a good teacher okay a good teacher for me is somebody who's embodied knowledge out there like knowledge is i feel like knowledge is cheap knowledge is cheap you can go on the internet you can take a course you can memorize it you can regurgitate that shit you can become a you can be quote unquote master in a weekend yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. You can take a course. But for me, if the practitioner is not embodied in the teachings, in the practices, and they are not living by what they are saying, it's like, you know, when you go, have you ever gone to, I would never hire a personal trainer who didn't work out. That's just, <laughs> would you? No, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm in better shape than you guys are. Well, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you have to look at the practitioner. Are they embodied? And embodiment is like key things to seeing embodiment is the presence that they hold, right? This is, it's huge. So if they're not embodying their practices, you can, you know, what are key things that you can look for in embodiment? What do you think about that? I love it. I think you touched on something, which is, you know, they're practicing what they preach. You know, they're doing the work. We'll always reference Kurt. Kurt is doing the work all the time. It would be very easy to rest on his laurels or his certificates or whatever. He takes three minutes every day looking himself in the mirror. That's a you know, fantastic. Checking in with himself of just like, who am I today and who do I want to be and what program is hanging over from yesterday? You know, he's looking in the mirror, he's checking in with his I am. Yeah, I think embodiment is they're practicing what they preach. You know, they're like, yeah, and I do, I do gestalt therapy. You know, I do journaling. I think another good one is like a verbatim or an Utram paper 
where you're constantly checking in with yourself and then you're arguing from other sides of it. You know, you're trying to see what do I hold true? What is true beyond the perspective that I have? And they're constantly trying to hold themselves their, they're themselves accountable yeah. and they're constantly trying to expand a new perspective. So like they want as many slices of the diamond as possible. They're not just like, this is my fragmentary existence. Yeah. That's super important. And when you're looking for practitioners, there's practitioners that in all different types of healing landscapes, there's some practitioners that like what we do would be more emotional, energetic. Then you have practitioners who are working in more of, you know, where it is taking knowledge and science, like something like nutritional therapy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. something completely different where the practitioner is giving you information, not maybe from a source of inner knowing, but also from science, right? So there's two forms. It's like, but if somebody is giving you that information saying like, hey, I'm going to give you maybe some different food plans to, you know, correct certain imbalances in the body if they are not eating that type of food they're taking information outside of themselves and they're not embodying it this is where i think it's like the most important part in finding a practitioner is the embodiment piece because you can't know something until you put it into practice that's where the wisdom comes in that's what wisdom is it is knowledge actually embodied through the body they let you know when they fall on their face. Oh, here's some mistakes I've made while I was doing this. So look out for that. Like if they're talking about nutrition, like, oh, right. I increased my macro count, but I forgot to do X, Y, Z. I didn't factor that in, or I didn't factor in how I was in the morning versus the afternoon or like how my emotions would deplete my different minerals or whatever. So would you say a big component of that or a part of that? I don't know if it's separate together or part of is like having a foot in both worlds then? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I think one of the wonderful people we just mentioned does a great job of doing that. Um, we're always going to refer back to Kurt. Everyone always going to you know, this podcast. Kurt's going to become so popular because anybody listening, they're going to be he's like, already, he's already, well, he is already like, I'm, I'm hesitant to even talk about him because we'll just make him busier. Yeah. Like I got to get in there too. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Like, I want everybody else to heal, but like, I need yeah. some me shit too. I want to slice that pie too. <laughs> so a foot in science, like in this case, it would be a foot in science and a foot in spirituality because you can't run a race on one foot. I mean, maybe you could, but you got to have like a balanced approach to it. There's people that are too sciencey. It's too much in the head. Too reductionist. You know, and then there's people that are too spiritual and it's too woo-woo and, oh, I have crystals and I dance in the moonlight. And like, that's cool. And that has a spot, right? You really have a thing against crystals, don't you? I have some of them. Look, I got a a fucking dragon's blood jasper right here. What does it do? Cool shit. Don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean because it's like, one foot in the physical and one foot in spirit because this physical experience is not our only existence. However, this stuff in the mystery of who we are and all the metaphysical properties of who we are, there is so much insight, wisdom, information out there 
But what good is that information if it can't help you in this physical plane? So you have to have a synthesis of the two. It's very important, very, very important. So you're right. And this boils down to those practitioners that we're finding where, you know, you can have these practitioners that are just way out in the woo, but they're still rooted in themselves. They're still grounded. And maybe they don't have the languaging and the science, but I will say there are some really good practitioners that do really, really weird, crazy stuff, but they're still like big time and integrity. Right. So. Yeah. And it very much determines like what resonates with the person that they're talking to. Right. Like where is that resonance coming from? Are you impressed with their words or are you impressed with like the fact that you feel safe and held within this person's presence and that you can unfold sometimes in a messy way in front of them if you need to. Mm-hmm. And what's also super true is that everyone's healing trajectory are kind of like awakening. It happens in very different stages. For some people, it's the physical part. They're physically sick. And that's the body's way of saying like, hey, that's some inner work to do. because It's all very much like, interfacing and connected right so some people start their healing path with really focusing on that physical part where they have a practitioner who's guiding them but those practitioners are often the ones who are also working a little bit more on the back end in the end in the energetics right and so the resonant piece and when you are talking to somebody and finding a practitioner it's really based on where you're at in your healing trajectory and what words are going to resonate, like what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're doing is super important, but it's really different for everybody. Some people start spiritually. They crack that open and then they're like, Oh my God, my physical body is a disaster, right? So they start in the spiritual or some people start in therapy because they know they're, they're an emotional train wreck and they've got so many issues but then they crack into the spirit right and then they see that they have gut dysbiosis and all these physical ailments so that it's all working cohesively together but that trajectory and where you start is very different for everybody yeah and there's no wrong way to tackle it right and that's that's that that healing trajectory for everybody is very different it's very different so somebody who is you know peasant kind of leaned into the mystery of who they are and like spirit and the soul they're really working in the physical they're going to look at other practitioners that are doing that as weird right that's going to not that isn't going to resonate right yep yeah i think it's a great point another thing i would bring up is they are constantly reminding you that you are your own teacher you are your own guru you're your own guide that doesn't come with its own responsibility of doing your inner work But the second that it starts to be like, look at me, I made the sun come up versus like, no, you are the sun, you are the universe, you are this and that, you are the universe unfolding through you. They're truly doing it out of like service of truth and integrity and in love. And if you've had a weird background, you might not always be able to distinguish those. You know, and there's narcissists, we all have narcissistic tendencies to a degree, Mm-hmm. But there's narcissists hiding everywhere. And that's, I think, a big thing for Natalie and I, as we do this podcast, is like, there's a lot of douchebaggery in the spirit game. Oh, yeah. And people don't realize they're projecting their ego. And spiritual ego. 
spiritual ego is a big thing that people don't realize the damage they're doing. And I've been in sacred settings, you know, where somebody will sit between a couple and they'll say, Hey, do you want to talk about your shit? And the couple's like, what? Like, I mean, bad projection, right? It's not hard. They think that they're psychically advanced, but in actuality, like every couple has shit. You have shit with like everybody you interact with. So it's not like you're that, like, like this fucking spiritual wonderkin to be like, Tell me about your stuff. How did they know? It's so, like if you saw a psychic, oh, you're probably having an issue with something. How did they know? Yeah. Or so I'm going to like state red flag number one. Do not work with somebody who projects onto and tells you they're a healer. Who contacts you to tell you that they're a healer and they're going to help you. When they kind of insert themselves before you even ask for help. That is like the biggest red flag when somebody is just offering advice that is so not asked for. Biggest red flag ever. It's a high level of mastery for the practitioner or the guide. You know, like I don't want to say healer after you just said that, but like for that person to allow you to unfold at your own pace and not rush it. Because as you work with your, I could tell you consciously right now that you have a problem, but mentally it makes a a barrier. So you have to work subconsciously and you have to work subtly, whether you're talking energetically or whatever. So their conscious mind is eager to show, I know what I'm doing. Look at me, look at how great I am. Yeah, it's Um, coming from the ego. It's coming from the head. It's coming from... I have this knowledge and I'm going to fix you and I am the good. It's that type of energy. So as soon as somebody is offering unsolicited advice, first of all, that boom, red flag. That, you know, somebody who's working in integrity will see, you know, the totality of you and mm. see that there is probably a series of questions that is going to have you redirect your own awareness back to yourself so that you can come up with your own solutions and therefore heal yourself. This is huge, 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 because when somebody is constantly telling you what to do, then you're getting into these very weird kind of almost like the healer becomes the parent and you start developing these relationships of codependency. Right. So when you go to a healer or practitioner and you just walk in and you're like, well, tell me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to sit with you until you figure out what you're going to do. It's not my role to tell you what to do. My role is to help you see what's the best option for the soul unfolding. Right. That's what it is. So. Well, and again, like when you talk to healers, there's an emptying process that you have to do as you're working with a client. Mm -hmm. Natalie and I are emptying before we get on this podcast and record. But like if they're not emptying, they're saying, I know what to do. You know, like and truly amazing healers in a minute, Natalie can explain why, like she's done a beautiful job of slightly she's changing the game in the way in which people are interpreting that word by not calling herself that and calling herself something else. (laughs) When you do hear like master level healers talk, they are very comfortable with the concept of, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. And if I knew beforehand, 
then that's an ego spot. That's my ego talking, saying, I know what's up. I know how to fix you. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, again, you start to see practitioners who are working only in specific modalities, right? There are so many beautiful modalities out there that I think that, again, are created out of an interpretation of somebody's experience, and then they create the modality. But that modality, like if you look at anything from Reiki to chakras, whatever it is, you know, anybody can go pick up a chakra book and say, okay, you're in the solar plexus. You're using that knowledge in the book. You're not sitting with what is, with what is in that session and what is unfolding. You're in your head and your ego trying to extrapolate knowledge from a modality. And and yes, modalities are wonderful and beautiful, but you have to work with your knowing and the modality. That's key. That's key because Sometimes, if you're kind of explaining through the chakra system or whether it's Reiki, that may not fit in that experience with the client. It may not resonate that client. And you are, again, taking information that is not in resonance with that person's experience in the unfolding of them, right? So I just went on a rant there. <laughs> but it's a fine line, too, because as somebody who's practiced in this, these arts, you want to know that the last three years of this course, you've done something so you can do something, you know, so it's letting it unfold and doing it as it comes naturally versus like doing it to show that you know what to do. Like, look at me, look at me holding this container. That's a fine line to walk to. And it's sometimes I get myself tripped up because I'm like, I spent so much money on this program. I feel like I have to show people like I know what I'm doing with it. You know what you're doing. Yeah, I know. You know what you're doing because you've walked me through so many situations and just, you know, help. Space holding is so underrated. If you can empty and hold space, that's like, wow. It's good to question yourself. So my, one of my instructors in Aikido passed a few months ago. And before she passed, I said, I just don't know if I'm doing it right. Like, I wonder the practicality and the efficiency, the effectiveness of it. And she goes, well, that's how you know you're doing it because you're questioning yourself. And I think that's a solid teacher is somebody that's questioning themselves. They're continually humbling themselves as a student and willing to learn. And willing to say, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I I made a mistake because guess what? Your practitioners are human. Very much so. They're not. They have their own ego. They have their own shadow. They have their own projections. And a practitioner who is aware of that knows they have to empty and they have to acknowledge that that may be sitting there. And when you go into session with a client, if you're not aware of that, guess what? That's all going to dance in that kind of dynamic of energy that we're talking about. So we've covered red flags. I think we've gotten into some solid green flag territory as well. Mm -hmm. What to royally look for. For me, you know, I look at the teachers that I had in Aikido. I look at my teachers in plant medicine and the healing arts, my parents and my grandparents. And there is, yeah, the resonance of what you're talking about with the embodiment. You know, I had in the martial arts community, it's very cool to talk about, I did this, this person did this to me and I did that. And I had this instructor that told me, you know, the embodiment of Aikido is, is love. 
And somebody come in the dojo, started provoking my sensei, trying to get a rise out of him to show like, I'm better than you. And he has a two hour debate with the guy and of being like, he's in the black belt hall of fame. And he like, could have lit this dude up if he wanted to, if he was provoked, it's not the style that we practice by any means. And after two hours of hearing where the guy was, he gave him a hug and sent him on his way. Yeah. It's like, that's the embodiment, but there's different, they have different styles. There is an embodiment. I had another teacher that always came from a loving spot. Wouldn't necessarily tell you something personally bad about yourself, but she would be very firm with you if you were doing something wrong. Okay, yeah, let's crack that topic open because sometimes people think healers should just, everything should be like love and easy breezy and I'm going to hold your hand and I'm like, oh no, honey. I'm going <laughs> to shake your world some days. Yeah, we're going to rock you because a true healer or I hate labels. And Well, can you explain like how the transition that you're now calling that? Because like I think healer, we were saying it has a different implication to it, right? Yeah, I think everybody has this idea that a healer, a healer comes in, it's like Jesus performing miracles, puts his hand on you, boom, you have your eyesight back, right? Like it's like the hands come out and boom, you are magically healed. And here's some wine that I made from water. Yeah, I mean, like, man, I wish I, wish I could do that, but I don't. So I think in my journey, like I kind of associated myself with healer, but it has a bit of a... Again, that connotation that I'm going to fix you. I'm going to heal you. And There's something outside of you. Yeah, it. somebody outside of you that is going to fix and do it for you. And it was just recently, about a, a year ago, where I was like, you know, I am a healer, but I'm actually an initiator. I'm a mirror. I am like a glorified kind of dot connector. I see things. I hold a mirror in front of people. And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Let's connect the dots. And then they heal. So I initiate them to start seeing themselves in ways that they couldn't see themselves. I mean, that's my practice. That's what I do. And for me, I don't want to have codependency with clients. I'm like, I want you to go on your way with some goddamn skill set on how to work with yourself. And, you know, maybe do a check-in once in a while. That's really important because you can get healers that are, you know, stature to say, I can do it all. I can fix you. Here's or you get people that like go to their psychotherapist for 20 years and you're like, this yeah. fucking dude is collecting paychecks off you, bro. Like, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful therapists. There's good and bad in all industries, all. Whether, again, it's traditional because I've had clients that have been in therapy, like, you know, traditional talk therapy for. 10 years and they're going in circles, right? They're just going around in these mental loops and they're not really moving or shifting and changing, right? It's just like you're regurgitating it. So again, good and bad in all industries, but what was I talking about before? We were talking about the name change from healer to the divine initiator. Yeah. Yeah, Just like an initiator. I think that a true healer allows you to show up in all messiness. Yeah. I want to see the good, the bad, the ugly, the cringy. They're holding the container, the space for you to go through this process where you can go through the range of emotions or the range of feelings that you might not feel that you can normally express. And they're still saying, when it's done, I'm still going to look at you as like an infinite being of love and light. And sure, it's it's, honestly, it's such a privilege to see people on all those 
different levels. Like it's to see their light and dark. And I don't want to imply yeah. that like shadow is bad, but like you no, show them your light and your dark. It is such a privilege to hold somebody in a container and they move through some of the deepest, darkest shit that they didn't even know was there. And you're just holding them in safety, 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 safety. That is, oof, that's key. Like that container has to be safe. If there are leaks, holes, or, you know, if your shit is in that container with them, it's murky. Well, and I think container is a wonderful, cool topic for a whole other day. But I, do, I, know, I love that. I had somebody talk about the importance of making the client feel comfortable. And oh. even like, you know, sometimes you go to a massage and they're just like, they're playing that standard like Enya music. And you're almost like, there's some part of me where I feel like I should be making fun of this. But the guy was like, yeah, whenever I'm with somebody, is it too hot in here? Is it too cold in here? Is this, you know, what's making you feel comfortable? Do you like this music? Do you not, you know, how do you put the person at ease so that they can get into it and unfold? And I think that's a component of it is like, you find these people that see you as you are and accept you where you presently stand. People can feel when there's not authentic, like acceptance. They feel that. And that's what makes it unsafe. Yeah. If you feel like you're in a session where, you know, there's judgment, where they are kind of overstepping and maybe invalidating your experience, the big red flag, right? There was another red flag that our friend Anthony brought up of like, there are some practitioners that work with sexual energy. And we might actually have some of them on the podcast eventually, you know, and they do an amazing, phenomenal job. But there are others that are, they have a weird policy where they let themselves intermingle with their patients. I'm not talking like working with energy remotely or, you know, like from a few inches away. I'm talking like, oh, we're going to lay in bed together. You know, you look at like some of these weird gurus or these cults or whatever. Those are red flags right there. All of those are red flags. Red flags, right? Like. And especially because there's so much trauma around sex to begin with. Yeah. The idea that you're contaminating this healing environment with the sexual energy. And it's not that sexual energy isn't important and can't transmute a lot of wonderful things. But there has to be somebody there that really works that line, preferably not sleeping with clients. Yeah, that's a very dangerous, dangerous. I would say that that is one of the most out of integrity, like dangerous moves that you are really cutting off any integrity in a session whatsoever. And if you're using, even unconsciously, if the practitioner is using that sexual energy because unconscious or the shadow comes in, if you're not aware, right? This is why constantly checking in, you know, that transference can happen. They're also in a position of power. Yeah. Right. And my mom told me, you know, she went to see somebody like a shrink, a psychologist, when I think she was, you know, she was by her third or fourth kid, you know, that would have been like my brother or myself. And then like, it was in the thing to talk about. And somebody in the company like outed her for like seeing a psychologist and it made it sound like she was crazy. So there's the stigma around that. But like, my mom later tells me like, yeah, she's in session with a guy and the guy is like, do you have any sexual fantasies about me? Oh, God. 
Yeah. And like, I can understand sexual fantasies from like a Jungian perspective. If you're saying like dream analysis, you're just talking about integrating some aspect of yourself projected onto that other person, but to blatantly come out and be like, Oh, um, yeah. 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 The whole, I mean, there are horrific stories of power, the misuse and abuse of power in healing modalities. And I mean, I've even personally been in situations like in massage where there has been inappropriate uses of power that, and I can feel it. I'm like, nope. But when that practitioner, practitioners have to be very careful because sometimes clients will, again, that transference, they sometimes can idolize their therapist or their healer or the practitioner. And it is like practitioners due diligence to recognize that immediately and nip that in the butt. I think that is one of the most disgusting abuses of power in this industry. And you see it in, I mean, in yoga, you see it in all sorts of different types of situations, tantric sex, there's different cults where I mean, I mean, I've had a, I don't know, friend of a friend who got involved in a cult that was how do you find a good cult? What's a determination? Red flags, green flags, good, cult, no good cult. cult. There is no good cult. When it's a cult, <laughs> that's a red flag, right? When it's a beautiful community that is based on individuation and sovereignty, that's a green flag. When it is do what I say. Collective. Collective. When, it, when it becomes dogmatic. You're starting it to get into this like religious dogmatic feel. Which, yeah. And I would also say if you're going to join a cult or a sex club, make sure they have a good buffet at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to add in when you're working with a healer, make sure that they can add in just a little sprinkle of humor to lighten in some of the heavy topics like Alex just did. They got to be like, I love the. Alan Watts expression of a divine rascal. There's got to be an element of divine rascality there. And then from there, you know, this well, is elaborate on that. Nobody, maybe somebody people don't know what the divine rascality is. So there's a little bit of a trickster energy at play. Yeah. And I think I've got the rascal element down. I don't know if I'm spiritually evolved yet to be the trickster, but the trickster is playing a game, you know, and they're playing a Life is a game. This is also that perspective where it's like, yes. oh. it's they're very like they're playing with it and they might lead you down a path because they know that you're so stuck in your own way that you had to follow them to get lost to then get pissed off and say, like, I'm following my own nav system. And they go, yeah, that was the game all along. Yeah. So like um, strategy is necessary sometimes. And Alan Watts, you know, so we were talking about teachers. And one of the things I was going to talk about is like, teachers we haven't met. And I look at like Ram Das or Alan Watts like that online and many other people too that I listen to. But the one thing that I loved Alan Watts saying that always sticks with me is these people present themselves to the guru and the guru gives them loving eyes and they go, oh, they see me at my whole and my essence and they understand me. And they're so wise and they're so intelligent. And the guru is smiling because the guru says, you know, the guru from an Indian perspective, a Hindu perspective would say like, we're all elements of God. Yeah. 
So the guru is smiling and goes, wow, you've really done it this time. You really think you're one of them. There you, you, go. you really forgot that you're God this time. And that's kind of the divine trickster at play is like, you're laughing, holding space. And I mean, Kurt could teach a master class for a million fucking things. And yeah. this is one of them, right? Like yeah. you go on your path. And he goes, oh, okay. Tell me about that path. Tell me why that's interesting to you. Oh, this sounds cool. That site looks wonderful. You go along the path and then you get back to Kurt and you're like, yeah, like, yeah how did that work out for you? Let you go. That yeah. is the element of, I think, when you get into more of the spiritual healing and counseling with clients, there's, and you're not working with really heavy, intense stuff. You know, there is a time and space to interject the silliness of this life's journey and how we take it so serious. And sometimes that little sprinkle of humor allows the whole energy field to go. And it's just like, it lets things go. It like allows people to come back to this perspective of a broader view on their whole entire life. And they're like, man, I'm really taking this shit serious, right? And that can be one of the most beautiful ways. Again, timing. And this is, again, that feeling, that kind of going back forth, that dynamic energy and understanding, when's a good time to drop the joke, right? And so I think having that may be a green flag for some people when you're looking for a healer is that or, you know, a practice, I'm going to stick with practitioner because that kind of encompasses everything. Well, and it's not, if it is at your expense, which it probably shouldn't be, it's very, very, very light. It's but, not a, you're, don't you feel like a no, fucking idiot? No, it would never be at your expense, but like we're in this together and we're kind of having a moment of laughing at the whole wholeness of like seriousness of this. And that's. There is a time and place for a little sprinkle of that, which I think is very important because, you know, sometimes when you're working in these really intense, heavy areas, when you're moving through very challenging spaces, it can be really heavy. So is there any other topics here that we want to dive into here? I think we co I covered most of the things that I want to talk about. We did the why. We did the what is a good teacher. You know, we can reiterate that too if we need to. How's about the like, where and how do we how, go about finding? Sorry, I had to throw that in there. How's about? How's about? <laughs> you know, where and how? Online, I can't speak too much to that. I mean, like in terms of, I mean, you could look at like YouTube videos. Like I listen to a lot of like, wonderful stuff on YouTube. And I think anybody that is telling you to check in with your own inner guidance, as with anything in our podcast, if we yeah. don't reiterate it a million times, check in with yourself. How does this resonate? Try it on. You know, some shirts you wear for seven years, some are just like a season type of thing. So yeah, I think what's really important, especially in the online space, I mean, that's where I work. And it's really important to scope them out, look at reviews, testimonials. If there's an inquiry call, if they have something where you have an opportunity to just kind of jam for 15 minutes to kind of get a sense and a feel, you'll be able to get a sense real quick, whether you're compatible, right? If they're telling you that, oh, we're going to do this and these are all the results that you're going to have, I would say, eh, over-promising, under-delivering is quite 
hefty in the online space. And a good teacher guide should have, whether they're doing it internally or they're making the notes on their own, they have kind of a plan for progress for you, you know, short term and long term. If I speak any more of that, I think I'm going to be speaking out of my depth, but I know that Kurt like does a very good job of that in terms of like yeah. being a therapist. But I would say if you're looking for reviews, not everyone is self-aware to realize the dynamic that's happening, that like somebody is taking them back to themselves. So look for language where like they're describing the empowerment process that the person is giving them rather than yeah. idolizing this person. What they're doing. Yeah. Also, another thing. I think the best type of reviews, there's not reviews, but a personal referral. If you know someone personally who's been working with somebody and you know that they're getting great results within themselves, that's a good indication that you they may be a good fit for you, right? Yep. That, you know, word of mouth, that is hands down one of the most, I'd say one of the most important. And be open to the synchronicities of the universe, right? Like sometimes... You hear your friend talk about it, and then you might see an ad. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say like that, like an ad for the person, but you'll find but some. They keep popping back in. Yeah. Fine. Like, yeah, these are important little cues that the universe is. The universe is always trying to direct you into. You know, it's listening to you. It's like what you know. It's always listening to what we truly want, and it's trying to get your attention and guide you, right? So pay attention to those little cues or synchronicities. And when you're with them you know, feel free to ask them questions and listen intuitively to see what kind of resonates. I would also say, like, look at the community around them as well. You know, like Mm -hmm. certain people have a healing practice and you can notice that there is a level of integrity within that practice. And then there's other things that are just like, we're all sharing space, but we're all under the same umbrella. And one person's kind of a wild card and this, you know, it's the community is a big aspect. What are the important aspects of that community that they're building intentionally or unintentionally. And I think somebody too, as a practitioner, you can only share so much of your life. Like you have to be able to relate, but you can't, you know, you can't overshare. So that's that's important. If your practitioner is kind of like all bottled up and has no personal experience to share with you, it's kind of hard to connect in my sessions. I mean, I don't overshare, but I will say, you know, relay back to them I've been through something similar or you know without overindulging or oversharing but that builds trust and relatability right and I will always say that again Kurt taught me this your wounds are the radar for others what you have experienced is kind of calling in what you are meant to help heal Mm. if you are stuck on a very specific situation Right. And you are looking for somebody who has maybe potentially been down that road. They've healed themselves. They've worked through it. That's the embodiment piece right there. That similar problem or challenge that you've been through, that's something to kind of, that's a green flag to look for. Oh, they've been through it. They've been able to overcome it or work through it. That is a person who is walking the talk. Where does that fit in with saying, I don't know, allowing the person to say, I don't know? Well, I think that, you know, we don't know everything. You can like, here's a good one. I love it when people say, you know, that's out of my scope of practice. I will Mm -hmm. say, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm trauma informed. I'm not a trauma therapist, but 
when somebody comes to me, somebody I recognize that there is a challenge that is beyond what I am trained for. I don't take that on. I will send them to somebody who can handle that. Somebody who has psychosis, that's not my expertise. I'm not working with that. Somebody who is dealing with really heavy set depression, out of my scope of practice. I'm not trained for that clinical setting. I'm going to, I have referral, I have practitioners that I refer to, different therapists and things like her being one of them. And that, if you have practitioner who is saying, oh, I can do that. No, I can help you to a certain level. But if you need more help, that's more hands-on and a very different modality, you've got to go that route. Yeah, like in terms of trauma, I myself am very like, as you said, trauma-informed, but like to the degree that like, I have a kit with like some bandages and some rubbing alcohol. Yeah. I'm not a fucking triage specialist, right? Like, no, no. Oh, I've got, you know, I've got some stuff where I can't show up at work and the, okay, cool. Let's get into that little bandaid. But if you're like, yeah. And then, you know, this happened and, you know, everybody in my family has cancer and blah, 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 blah. Like that's a different level. And there are very extreme cases of healing, which is not meant for some practitioners, right? And that some are better in a group dynamic. Yeah, exactly. So it's when a practitioner says, I don't know, and is willing to say, I don't know, I can't help you with that. That is actually doing you a service. Mm -hmm. Because they're not coming from ego. Yeah, they're not coming from ego. They're saying, you know what? This is out of my scope of practice. I've worked with people who have been traumatized. But I've also, you know, in working with them, I've worked alongside their other practitioners. So I'm helping in the energetics and they're getting you know, more traditional help in this way. So that's always in line. But for somebody who comes to me with psychosis, that, I don't know how to deal with that. That's not my way out of my scope of practice. I send those people to Kurt. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's looking for practitioners, maybe ones who have been through what you've been through, but also a good practitioner will know their limitations. Okay, so let's recap. No limitations. They are an embodiment of teaching what they practice. They can work with transference and projections and be from a neutral standpoint, neutrality, neutrality, they have to empty. They're very self-aware of their own inner workings and not bringing that into session. They see the totality of you. I would also offer, they give you homework to do. Yes. Yep. That's big. It's not, you know, just show up to session, talk things through, do the energy work, whatever it is. And then bye. See you next week. There's, usually this is what you need to work on and gentle parts. There's got to be integration. Integration's key. Yes. If you don't have somebody who's going to work on integrating that information, then all that knowledge is just kind of sitting in the surface and you're not going to embody it yourself. They have to teach you embody. I mean, any practitioner that's a red flag that has any form of like abuse structure where they're abusing their power any sexual misconduct in this session, any invalidating of your experience, gaslighting. These are all like extreme cases in what not to look for in a practitioner, but they exist, right? 
you can feel when somebody's in their ego when they are not listening to you and they are in their head waiting for you to finish so that they can talk about what you're supposed to do versus being heart-centered, connected versus head. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like they're in their agenda. They have an agenda for you, but it's not about you. It's their agenda. That's a red flag. They're spacious to allow you to unfold where you need to. They ask you the right questions to guide you, to get you back to you, to get you thinking. Sometimes they have to do stuff. Your energy systems are so heavily overlapped. They have to do stuff to get you out of your head. They know how to shake it up. Yeah. Shake you up, but gently in a safe way. That's key, right? Safety in session, you know, somebody who is, yeah, mirroring back to you parts of yourself and always asking, how do you feel? Does that resonate? Like that, that's important when they're asking, how are you in this session? What are you feeling? Talk to me. They're just like laser beaming information at you. It's like, oh, not really taking it. There's no reciprocity of energy. There's no kind of mingling back and forth, right? I think that's it. I think we got kind of the basics. I'm sure more will come up, but I think that is. Yeah, this might be something we come back towards again. Yeah, but I think that that's a good, solid foundation in working with a practitioner who is coming from integrity and heart and unconditional love. That's huge. huge. Well said. Yeah. Integrity, unconditional love, and the sacredness of your own journey. Hmm. Very, very nice. Any better than that. Beautiful said. All right. So until we meet again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Huffing Spirit Podcast. Remember, you are your own teacher. Take what resonates and leave the rest. For more info, follow us on Instagram at Huffing Spirit Podcast and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Bye for now.